What's up, y'all a little faith, and welcome to episode 14 of season 2 of the Fagnostic Podcast. I'm your hostess, not your Moses, Matt Hayes, and if I'm still giving you episodes, it means that I'm still looking for answers. Y'all, a couple weeks ago, I met Christian Sintron on the queer streets of West Hollywood, and here we are today with him being a guest on the show. Christian's a writer, comedian, actor, psychic, jack-of-all-trades, and master of fun. His unique perspective has been informed by being a proud Puerto Rican, Catholic schoolboy, marketing executive, addiction and abuse survivor and even a drag queen. The first stand-up teacher at the Rodney Dangerfield Institute at Los Angeles City College, Christian is a graduate of Vassar College, Second City Hollywood, and all RIP Iowa West Theater. His television appearances include The Wendy Williams Show and on True TV's Fameless. Christian created Stand Up For Your Power, an intersectional, spiritual, self-improvement comedy class. It unites stand-up, psychology, diversity, equity, inclusion, and even a little magic to help students pivot their perspective, shift limiting beliefs, and a role with the punchlines. He is a spiritual counselor, a Reiki practitioner, and a coach, helping people use humor and spirituality to integrate their trauma and reclaim their narrative. He offers shadow readings to help clients see where their light is not shining so they can become the most powerful versions of themselves. His mission is to help people have the uncomfortable but vital conversations with levity, empathy, and grace. Welcome to the show, Christian Sintron. Christian, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you and I met a couple weeks ago on a Sunday fun day, which is not my normal Sunday behavior. Um, and I, we uh, have shared a mutual friend, probably more than one mutual friend, if I'm we sure. uh, really do a deep dive. Um, but I'm David, sure we uh, even have some crossovers. Uh, oh, yes. I'm sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Um, in whatever regard that is to the listener. Um, but yes, they, uh, so uh, allegedly I asked you to do this podcast on the street, which sounds like me. Um, so <laughs> thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited because you, uh, have such an interesting presence online. And I actually recall, uh, it's my favorite accessory about you, but you do a band around your forehead with, with like mm -hmm. beads on it and stuff. And so you just stick out, um, in a crowd for that reason uh and i've seen you on social media wearing it as well but i love it does it does it signify anything do the beads represent any kind of um like chakra or i mean what i usually tell people um and I'm, I'm a comedian by the way so what i usually tell people is it's my crown for when all of the various plagues get rid of all the problematic people i will be ruler of what is now known as west hollywood i live for this <laughs> but i mean it's kind of like my uh energetic mask just sort of yeah. something to kind of like maintain my energetic sovereignty and just sort of my vibe and it's cute and it's an accessory it's a let's let's just recall that energetic sovereignty yeah I, tell me what that means. Actually, you know, let's start with the first two questions. Okay. A, are you a believer? Yes. What does that word mean to you? Believer. I mean, I think that just, it means you have a healthy relationship with faith. I think that we all need to believe in something larger than ourselves to check our ego, lest it take us yeah. to dark places. I think that it's a, just sort of a natural um part of the human experience you know what i mean like i think yeah. that you know like 
I tell people all the time, I, I'm a top, but I bottom for the universe. <laughs> just, I, feel like, I feel like we're all bottoming for the universe right now. Like, I mean, well, uh, some might argue that we're bottoming for corrupt capitalism and toxic that, masculinity and that, uh, that. the failure of the American government. But you didn't that hear it from me. I'm a no, good we, Christian. We actually did. We, it's on record. <laughs> uh, can you identify your pronouns for us? Um, my pronouns are he, him. Thank you. Um, I just burped on air. That's great. Um, what is a healthy relationship to faith for you? Well, I mean, I think that uh, I, I identify as spiritual as opposed to religious. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to Catholic school for 14 years and I kind of saw what parts of it were a sham and what parts of it were real. But I think a healthy balance is kind of a 50-50 split because spirituality is essentially 50% you and 50% the unknown. Hmm. It's 50% like some sort of truth and 50%, I don't know, fantasy, comfort. I mean. So part of the healthy, healthy aspect of faith is not a, a perfection or an all knowing, but more of a self-awareness of, of the unknown. And making space for just sort of what you don't know. I mean, yeah. I think that, I mean, at least for me, my hot take, my two cents, is that religion should offer us the under, like the ability to define and redefine certain existential concepts. Like what is love? What is joy? What is faith? What is humanity? What is connection? You know what I mean? And so by that token, you know, art is something that's a spiritual experience. Human oh, yeah. connection, sex, like yep. humor, just anything that forces us to expand our horizons, open up our minds and shift the way we think. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have you come to that? Because you're from Puerto Rico, grew up Catholic, um, but Puerto Rico, I feel like the Puerto Rican religious experience, while there is a lot of like, you know, sacred historical context there, there's such a, um, a flamboyant association with life for my mm -hmm. times in Puerto Rico. Um, it's one of the reasons I love Puerto Rico because it's, everything is just colorful from the buildings to the art, to the people, to the energy. Um, how did you come to where you are spiritually growing up Catholic like that? Yeah, so um, let's let's unpack this. So I was raised in New York, but my family is like 100% Puerto Rican. So everybody okay. is from uh, different areas. And I think people forget that the cultural identity of Puerto Ricans is diverse. I mean, we have right. African indigenous and, you know, uh, colonizer ancestry. Yep. So I joke around and I say that I have good credit. I'm scared of the police and I believe in magic, you know, but like Walter Mercado, I don't know if you know him. He's a famous uh, Puerto Rican astrologer. He's actually, I want to say my third cousin. So my great grandmother was his first cousin. And he's like a famed astrologer and he was also flamboyant, kind of like Liberace does astrology. Um, so, I mean, I think that there's something to be said for like the balance. And I think what really helped me find faith is I just sort of had this spiritual awakening. Okay. I just sort of things started shifting. I did drag. And I think that when I did drag, that really helped kind of like heal a lot of like gender dysphoria. I think, you know, as gay yeah. men, we're always dealing with somebody else's trauma. We're always defined by somebody else's definition of masculinity. And I'm sorry that I don't look like the sports star you had a crush on or the uncle who yeah. touched you, but like, I'm me. And and it's just so weird. So like, I mean, it, 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 it's just sort of interesting coming from 
a community that is like diverse because you know one thing about puerto rico that i learned later in life was that the african slaves and the indigenous you know arawak people couldn't communicate so there was this band this dance called la bomba where it was one of them was playing the drums and then one of them was dancing and that's just sort of how they communicated that's incredible yeah and so when things started to shift for me spiritually i was just was open and i just sort of was like reclaiming well what part of this is part of my ancestry santeria is an offshoot of yoruban tradition so yoruba has uh is a religion from africa i want to say nigeria and it's lived on in traditions like uh voodoo odun um hoodoo uh, Santeria, and it's basically, I mean, to sum it up pretty succinctly, it's basically like the Greek gods if they were Black. There are Orishas that have different stories and different narratives, and they represent different elements. And it just was beautiful. And I just sort of found that, like, on my spiritual journey, random Black people would walk up to me and tell me things. And I wondered if it was because I was reclaiming the parts of my ancestry the parts of my dna the parts of my epigenetics whatever you defined it that were cut off because of racism cut off because of ancestral trauma yeah and i got i also feel like i got more connected to like the environment and the earth and i'm like is that a connection Mm -hmm. to my indigenous ancestry and like apropos of spirituality I don't know whether it's real or not, but it brings me comfort and I feel like it's forcing me to expand my horizons and I feel stronger for it. So I don't see a problem with it. Right. Now, is your family still practicing Catholic? So my grandmother was Pentecostal and yeah. And like, so that was like a lot. And I also feel like, you know, my family there kind of always was this like come to Jesus moment where like they got older and they really found faith. And while I think my grandmother did find a lot of comfort, I felt like it was very problematic. And one thing that I always find with any overbearing Christianity is twofold. One, especially for people of color, Christianity was one of the tools used for colonization. They were perfectly fine with slavery and genocide and murdering people when Jesus was like, chill. Jesus was like Barney the Dinosaur. He's like, I love you. The only thing he had a problem with was corruption in the temple and people selling wares in the church. So look at where we're at now. I feel like Jesus would be very displeased, but you didn't hear it from me. Again, I'm a good Christian. I always say that if Jesus knew what would be done in his name, he'd be rolling over in his grave. <laughs> but he like rose to heaven. He was that's like, the assumpted. Joke. I know, that's I know, the- I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I mean, it, it is fine. It's funny that these things happen. And I do sort of yeah. wonder if there is, I mean, one thing that I believe in is kind of, divine timing or some sort of divine order and i think that you know whether that is you know belief that if you're a good person good things come to you or just the belief and i'll throw this into the mix something that i I teach my students in my classes the idea of pronoia just believe that everything is happening for your best interest just by virtue of having that belief is very zen and then you're working with what's in front of you instead of resisting it the irony is, and like just to bring race in, I think a lot of people don't realize that some of white privilege is just sort of having that trust in the universe. Oh my God, yes. Because there aren't people out to get you. There aren't moments where you have to say, is this because of my identity? Is yeah. this because of this? Yep. 
And yeah, faith, faith, faith is a privilege for sure. I've, I've, I've mm-hmm. said that, especially specifically um, regarding caucasity. Um, in, in terms of you teaching, mm-hmm. uh, you, I, I, I know, but tell my listeners what you, because you stand up for power is your your brand behind your mm-hmm. comedy, um, and you teach people how to connect comedy with storytelling, authenticity, spirituality. So give us the rundown on that. Yeah, so Stand Up For Your Power is, I describe it as an intersectional um, spiritual self-improvement stand-up comedy class. Basically, I help people turn their trauma into treasure, really like deep dive, explore their emotions, reclaim their narratives, because a lot of humor comes from trauma. Humor in and of itself is a defense mechanism. Absolutely. So I just sort of teach people that balance. But again, like I say, my class is called Stand Up For Your Power, not Let's All Be Freaking Friends. You know, and there's something to be said for more people needing to speak up. I I include a lot of um, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion um, materials in my teaching. Like there was this... uh, article by Tema Okun, who, uh, and I think Kenneth Brown, I forgot, but like it was about the characteristics of white supremacy culture. So for for example, perfectionism, Mm -hmm. an obsession with the written word, a false sense of urgency. Like these are things that just sort of affect some people and not others, but it even affects white people. Yeah. And so it's just sort of what are the things that are robbing us of, again, our like our sovereignty, like your personal power, because I think it's it, power. A lot of people think power is about lording it over other people or the what you wield in the world. But your power over yourself can inspire people and engender love. And I think that that's more powerful than anything. I absolutely agree. Um, and I think some of our biggest stars, whether from film or from religion or from politics, have tapped into that awareness uh mm-hmm. that 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 power that so- i love the word sovereignty is also a little triggering because I, growing up i was really obsessed with calvinism um and so i was really obsessed with like the five points of calvinism one of which is um ultimate sovereignty predestination so to me sovereignty is all about I have no choice in this world because it's already been determined by the divine or at least that version of the divine that I so worshiped. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that you have taken it uh, back because it's a, uh, I, that's, it's such a powerful action word as well. So I'm going to do some dwelling on personal sovereignty because that is yeah. that's really, really rich. Thank you for bringing that to my awareness. I think that's kind of what spirituality should be is all of us sharing powerful thoughts, all of us sharing what gives us peace and all of us, you know, being like, hey, uh, not to be weird, but this is something that I believe in, whether it's mm-hmm. healing crystals and Reiki or that Jesus died for our sins or like in science. And I think that, you know, as we reach more and more globalization, I mean, I think TikTok has kind of opened up the floodgates where we're all sharing what we believe and we're all sharing things. And some things sound spot on and some things don't, whether you believe in astrology or not. I mean, is it strange to believe that like in a planet defined by gravity, except for people who believe in a flat earth, uh, (laughs) you know, that the planets would affect us in unique ways? Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, or Absolutely. maybe there are things that happen energetically. So, for example, like one thing that like really threw me was when I found out about the Schumann resonance. Apparently, the weight of gravity varies at different times, and who knows what causes that? Yeah. But you can literally go and check the Schumann resonance and see when it's spiking. And, you know, is that something that human beings are doing? Is that something that 
you know, is happening on, on the quantum level. I mean, I, I, my big belief system, it was funny because I like did, a, I tried to like consolidate all of my beliefs because I'm like, oh my God, he's going to ask me what I believe. Oh my God, <laughs> what am I going to say? Oh my God, what does it all mean? But I mean, I think that like, the best way to describe it is just sort of integrated metaphysics. If we just sort of subscribed to the idea that everyone, every religion or everything that has a wide appeal knows something and sought what is value in that, imagine what we would learn. Now, granted, that's just sort of like my approach to artistic appreciation. It's it's like, I'm going to see what I like about it. And if I don't like it, I'm going to qualify what I don't like about it and share that with people so that they can understand me. But I think that mm -hmm. like, because I mean, I think part of the reason why they don't want art in the schools is because then we'd all be diplomatic and then we would all like form a collective and then people wouldn't be in power. But again, you didn't hear that from me. I'm not trying to go to jail. No, no, we did. Um, and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and you're right. <laughs> Being a stickler. No, I'm just joking. That's a that's a callback to um. There was a sketch in um, in Living Color mm -hmm. from the '90s where she's like, "I'm not one to gossip." So you didn't hear it from me, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, where do you teach your classes? Um, I do. So I I I teach as part of um, LACC. So that's more just like Muggle stand up, where I'm just sort of teaching people stand up comedy. But then I teach my classes one on one via Zoom. Cool. Because I think it allows people to really go out on a limb. Because we kind of deep dive. In yeah. addition to you know teach, I use comedy as a tool because I that's sort of how I started. I started in stand up in '06. Um, but I also just sort of help people by looking at their writing and looking at how they speak about themselves and i can just sort of like intuitively sense well there's an emotion where a thought should be or mm. there's a block where you went all the way around the corner three times instead of just going through and i don't think and i think another thing that spirituality or something higher offers us is the ability to look at our thoughts look at our emotions you know in the world mm -hmm. That sounded weird. Does that make sense? No, I, I, I absolutely understand that. Because uh, yeah. also, I, I, just, I was just this morning, I was watching some of your stuff as well. And um, I, I, specifically, I want to call out that your second baptism, because part of what your comedy does, I think, too, is because people, I think, also just think comedy is just like going for the joke, you know, mm -hmm. um, just begging for the laughter, which, you know, to some maybe, and it doesn't work. Uh, but it really is a commentary. And I love how your, your, your comedy is a, is a story with a lesson. It's more of a, a, almost a parable. You know what I mean? Like, I just found it so fascinating mm -hmm. how in order to get us to understand what your goal is here, you're gonna tell us, a, you're gonna take us on a journey, um, recognizing the comedy, recognizing the insanity of it all. Um, and can, can you tell us this story? I know it's on your Instagram, but I'd love for my listeners to hear this story about your second baptism. Oh sure. Um, okay, cool. Let me let me try. I, I should have been ready because I was I I, I I had a feeling I'd be doing some storytelling. Um, so basically, I mean, I kind of loosely mentioned I, I gotten into drag and I felt like drag really helped heal my gender dysphoria because yeah. I in drag I was actually more masculine in drag. Oh, how funny! Like I'd be like have long hair, a huge wig, heels, full face of makeup. Be like, what's up, baby? How you yeah. doing? <laughs> you know. And so you know that, and then I started working out and connecting with my body and then just sort of like i felt just more holistically connected sure you know what i mean i think that when your mind body 
heart, spirit, masculine and feminine sides are all kind of working together, then we're cooking with gas. So I just used to like to go to um, West Hollywood and put my stank on the bars. I just would go and dance and feel the vibe and just sort of like surf energetically and see what would happen. And I remember I was just sort of like dancing around at uh, Flaming Saddles. May she rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're they're coming back allegedly. Oh, they are? Supposedly they're taking over the Revolver Bar. Oh, interesting. Because well, what's going to happen to Revolver? They're done. Oof. Which well, they're... I, go ahead. I just, I'm devastated. Revolver, I mean, I, I don't really go to Revolver a ton, but their history is, I think, very important in West Hollywood. Um, I also so... feel like they played hip-hop music, and I felt like they played music for, like, a, spe- a specific community, and I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're so we're at meanwhile back <laughs> back at Flaming Saddles. So I'm like just sort of dancing and feeling amazing, and this guy walks up to me, he's like, "Oh my God, what are you on?" And I'm like, uh, "Life, <laughs> just living my best life." And so um, I'm dancing, and then I saw uh, this person, this like queer. I mean, I'm assuming well, like AFAB. They were obviously AFAB, but like they kind of like it and was like this. Like, to speak to the to the most ill-informed, AFAB is assigned female at birth. Yes. And so they were, and they, and there was the splitting image of Tracy Chapman. I don't know if you know who Tracy Chapman is, mm-hmm. but she's like, you got a fast car. I want to take it anywhere. Just like, uh, it cut me deep. And so just, we were vibing. It was just sort of a moment where I saw somebody at the same wavelength and I just introduced myself and like we were talking and then they introduced me to their three friends and it was a black guy, a Latino guy and a white guy. And so then literally like we just got there and the black guy grabs them by the crotch. Now, I didn't know what to do with this. I didn't know if they knew each other, but literally without missing a beat, I grabbed him by the crotch. And he's like, no, 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 that's my friend. I'm like, I still feel like it feels the same way. You know, and then he's like, oh, it's cool, it's cool. And so then the Latino guy like has a hissy fit and he's like, oh no, no, not on tonight, not here, not this. Right. And so <laughs> I'm like, he's like, um, you need to go. And I was like, oh, I was invited here. We're cool. Because, you know, the, the the black guy and I had had a, like, moment of silence where we understood it. Like, it was like we were having a, a communal moment. But this guy was not featuring me, getting super dramatic. And so then his white friend's like, oh, man, you should go. He's going to start throwing fists. And I just stood my no, ground. No. And I said, let him. I will end him. Because one thing that I sort of learned in drag was just sort of the difference of like solar and lunar communication, which is like, you know, think of like a matriarch, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's one lady in your family where she just needs to say, not in my house. Can you, can you explain solar and lunar communication? Just sort of in, in lieu of masculine and feminine, I just sort of like to say solar and lunar so that, because I think that let's be real, a woman from Texas is channeling a lot of solar energy and does not have the softness that God gave her. Mm. Whereas like somebody who's lunar is probably more like receptive and it's like a different energy. And I think that if we, you know, both parts make up all of us and of both course. parts make up a day. So I feel like it's a nice way to I put it. That. Thank you. <laughs> and and, and so, yeah, so the, that, today's okay. a, a pink full moon, by the way. So there's a little I, association with that. I know. And, and it's the perfect, I'm glad. And you see, look, look at that. The What is the kismet of us recording today on the full honey, moon? Honey, honey, all the time. It is surrounding me everywhere I go. Yeah. I cannot escape it. And it might be talking to you. And that's the thing. Sometimes when we, we keep getting hit by the same thing, yeah. we might wonder, you know, well, what is this about? Yep. Um, so yeah, so the Latino guy's freaking out, and then 
I turned to the white guy and I'm like, why are you letting him act like this? You're a good person. And then he's doing his typical sad Brian thing where he's like, oh no, I'm not. And I'm like, no, you are. And then literally it was like magic. Like the two of them just like flanked him and just started having a very long overdue conversation about why he's acting like a Yolanda and not a Selena. And again, you didn't hear that from me. Um, and so then... Summer Lovin' from Greece starts to play. Again, Olivia Newton-John, make sure oh, rest in peace. Magical. Yeah. Oh, magical. And just, I just, there was like a group of people and they were singing along. And so I was singing along and I joined them. And then, you know, the guy's like, I hope you're happy. And like, you know, throws his drink in my face and storms out. And then me not missing a beat. I'm like, please tell your friend. I said, thank you. That was very refreshing. And literally, as I'm like licking the like remnants of his gin and tonic, this little Latino guy that I was dancing with singing Summer Lovin' turns to me and he said, thank he looks up to me, literally looks up to me. And he's like, thank you for being you. And in that moment, I really felt more what being baptized was. Because in that moment, I felt like I knew who I wanted to be, how I wanted to show up in the world, and that I wasn't going to let things that I didn't like pass me by. I wasn't going to let people's toxicity affect my energetic sovereignty. And I connected to something greater than myself. And in that moment, whatever, maybe I inspired one person by being gracious when somebody threw a drink in my face. But guess but, what? That know. one person will then go on and inspire one person. It may exactly. take a while, but you know what? We'll get it done. That. And it's so funny because, I mean, apropos of like weird spiritual stuff, my friend did a astrology reading of me with the Mayan astrology, and apparently I was born in the year of the seed. Oh, I And so that. it's just that's, sort of like, yeah. and that's the thing is it's like, it doesn't matter what came first, the chicken or the egg. If I learned that and it inspired me, I yeah. think inspiration is kind of the key to spirituality. One thing that like when I was kind of on my crazy journey, I'd ask people, what book did you read that really affected you spiritually? And um, a friend said, The Celestine Prophecy. And this book is 20 years old. And it it, it, it it was like a very popular for a moment. And it talks about these insights into energy and how we're all going to stop trying to get energy from each other by stealing it from each other through control and drama. And instead, we're going to get it from a divine source. And it talks about things like connecting to plants and how you should treat children like they're adults and like all of these things. And it just sort of really resonated with me. And it, it, while it provided me with a lot of comfort during the pandemic because I felt like as somebody who's like really deep into like esoterica and reading old metaphysic books, metaphysical books and stuff, we've been talking about a new age forever since yeah. the 20s. The fifth dimension sang about the age of Aquarius. Yeah. Rhythmic crystal, wait, mystic crystal revelations and the mind's true liberation and whatever. And it was... Three black men and two black women. That's a coven. Whatever, babe. I'm taking it. Like, you know what I mean? That's the thing. Whatever you get comfort from. But when the moon was in the seventh house of Virgo and Venus was aligned with Mars, something shifted. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think that, like, the apocalypse and the, the things that everybody is worried about is the end of the hierarchy of Christianity. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Well, that's why I, it, people like MTG and Lauren Boebert are start trying so hard to, like, reinflict this Christian nationalist narrative and, like, unabashedly so. Meanwhile, like, 
Christians, Christianity is all about being a good citizen. I don't think people really realize it was like who had beef with the Jews in like the year, you know, 109 and a bunch of cool things to like, like, let's all get along and like, let's all not get dysentery. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? It wasn't prescriptive. And I think it's just disturbing that we live in a time where so many people want to say things in Jesus's name, but they are horrible Christians. There are lay people on the street. They're literally, I'm going to say this on the record and become like, here's the soundbite for you. There are Satanists who are better Christians than people who presume to speak in Jesus's name. If you live by the 10 commandments, if you live by the Beatitudes, if you live by everything that he fucking talked about ad nauseum in this book, sorry that I said the F word. No, no, we cuss. Okay, cool. No, we, we fucking cuss for sure. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I actually, it's funny you say that because I didn't say the word GD until about two years ago. And now it's the only word that I actually use. Um, I just find it because I feel like I'm so, I just, I really uh, just goddamned everything. Um, I want to also just because you hit on your sign, you're Sagittarius, Aquarius, Aquarius. No, no, no. No, I'm sorry, Cancer, Cancer. Close. Yes, I'm Sagittarius, Cancer, Cancer with a stelium in Sagittarius, which, and it's so funny. I was. What is a stelium? So a stelium is if you have four or more planets that are in one house, like in one sign. Got it. Okay, I did not know that. I'm a exactly. cancer, cancer. So I, oh. my, my, yeah. So, I, so I, you're uh, super sensitive. What makes you all think of that? the feelings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... Is it the, the tear rolling down my cheek right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact no, that it's... you're in the fetal position, cutting yourself. <laughs> no, it's funny because I just got off Alexapro, and I've been crying for the first time in four years because my emotions are now like free, but like mm-hmm. in a good way, not to be worried. But like, I, like even like last night, I was watching the series finale to Shit's Creek. And I was just bawling in joy and gratitude that I get to feel how this show makes me feel and like hope. And I was like, oh my God, I miss crying so much. Yeah. It's funny because I'd be curious where your Mercury and your Mars and your Jupiter are. I have my chart because I, uh, and I, I, I just, I, I need to, I don't dabble in that world very often, but I do love it. I just feel like it confuses yeah. me, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll get back to you. It's a long, it's a long journey. Like I, it was funny because it was, this is just another one of those moments where I was always like astrology. That's BS. I get it. Whatever. People love it. But then when I like did some deep diving, whenever I tell my favorite moment is when I tell somebody, Oh, I'm a cancer moon. I mean, I'm a Sagittarius cancer moon, cancer rising, the wince that they make mm-hmm. when they hear that. And they're like, Ooh, it must be really hard to be you because yeah, as yeah. a Sagittarius and with so many planets in Sagittarius, I'm very gregarious. I'm very outspoken, sometimes tactless. I'm very out there energetically, but as a cancer moon, cancer rising, I'm feeling everything and I'm yeah. suffering and smiling and dancing the whole time. Yeah. Well, at least you have that show, you know, Pisces, Cancer, Cancer. We don't put on the show. We just, Ooh, you're girl, gonna, no. well, usually when I say my three, I, I don't get the wince. I get, oh, are you okay? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> you're just one open wound. Yes. That doesn't ever coagulate. Yeah. But there's a part of you that also loves it because cancer is like love the darkness. Uh, yes. Just no, I, no, I, no, but but in that, that's why I think I really, I, what I do like about things like uh, astrology is that it does not serve as my crutch. It it serves as my informant. So mm-hmm. that way, knowing that about myself, I can then 
have, have, have practices and environments that don't lend itself to the darkness. And so, so it's just more self work you have to do. But I think that's why it's important to, to really investigate all these different modalities. Yeah, and mediums and yeah, and just tools. tools exactly. I think they all serve as tools. Right? So in that, like, what have you maintained from Catholicism? I mean, how do you do you ever have any sort of worship that that has a semblance to your early days of belief? Um, I think joy was something that I had to holistically experience. And I don't think that given the all of the pitfalls and problems of Christianity, I didn't feel it until I was an adult. Mm -hmm. And I think that joy is I mean, this is sort of the way I define joy. I know that like, and this is where we're going to get a little semantic. But I think that, you know, joy Joy is why people write love songs. You can be sad, but there's a creativity, there's a beauty, there's a want for more, there's a trust in the universe, mm -hmm. there's a a higher calling. You can make peace with sadness, you can make peace with grief. I think that's joy. I think a lot of times people think joy is just like a heightened level of happiness. Happiness is tenuous, but when you're mm -hmm. joyous, you can cry with joy. Mm -hmm. To quote Dolly Parton, laughing while crying is my favorite emotion. Which is a deep cut from Steel Magnolias. Mm -hmm. <laughs> would you be Would you be a um, uh, a Shelby with like a moon in Malin Truby rising? No. In fact, if I'm a Pisces Cancer Cancer, I think I'm going to identify as a Weezer Truvy Truvy. Ooh, interesting. I identify as a, um, what is Olympia Dukakis's name? Uh, she is uh, Clary. Yeah, okay. So I, I see that. yeah, I would identify as maybe a, um, I would identify as a Clary with a moon in Malin. Okay. Truvy rising. Okay. But I also, and it's so funny. Just, Wait, just, this, is, this is going to be my favorite soundbite of my entire <laughs> podcast. All 39 episodes, this is going to be what capitulates this fucking podcast. I love that. But it's, it's funny because I would also like to throw this into the mix. Like one thing, I, I mean, I also kind of feel like the, the trans, like transcendence, the idea of like something that reaches you to a higher level where you can think about thoughts and think mm -hmm. about existential concepts is one of the benefits of like spiritual practice. But it also is the same thing for art. It's also the same thing for philosophy. Agreed. And I look at like, in the same way that, you know, astrology gives us insight into the dimensions of our personality. I think about like your favorite movies. So like what, like I'll throw this to the audience, anybody who's listening, think of your favorite movie. Think of your favorite character and how that person is just like you. But then also think about the villain and how that might be an aspect of you that you don't see. Okay, that's creepy because my favorite film is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which means that the child catcher is like my shadow. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Sorry, oh, like, <laughs> if I you know. watch it, you'll understand why that's a very terrible association for this, for that metaphor. For but me. I mean, there's something to be said, but you're also like a queer person who like lives in West Hollywood. So like, I mean, what part of us is I don't live in WeHo. Oh, you don't? Oh, my no. bad. Where do you live? I live in Hollywood behind the bowl. Okay, so should I do I that again? No, it's okay. I just, okay. I, I feel like, I don't know why it's such a thing for me about saying I live in WeHo. I think because there's, 
no matter you know how evolved a, a queer person can be, there is still a level of shame and judgment that we have about ourselves that we have to overcome. And I think that's for me. Say if if I were to live in WeHo, I would have judgment for myself. I think. Really? I mean, yes. I would I would argue that like it was a community that was created by queer people for yes. queer people, like, and I think that that's kind of. Beautiful. I mean, I get it because there are many a shitty, you know, gay. When I walk through WeHo, I I sense trauma and pain. Like it makes me like. That's why if I'm in WeHo, I'm probably drinking because I just I feel so hurt in West Hollywood. I feel like it's in the sidewalks. I feel like it's in the trees. That is so fascinating. I feel the exact opposite, but I also think I've done a lot of shadow work. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's. It is the history, though. It's like because it was yeah. founded in the midst of the AIDS crisis, and yeah. so how many people came there just to, almost like as a hospice? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the, their families didn't welcome them, their churches didn't welcome them, and so this haven for queer people. You know, at the time, gay people specifically. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I sense when I'm there is just the, the painful history. But I in that I I need to because I love that you see it as the opposite, and I and I know people that do as well and i need to work mm-hmm. on that i mean and i think this is the, this is just sort of the interesting thing about spirituality is you just sort of get these weird checks and balances from the universe yeah. where what of that is projection and what of that isn't yeah. Yeah. and i think it and i again i go back to 50 50 i like to believe that like there is something to be said for it's n- not all of the magic of west hollywood is light magic there's some right. twisted you know grotesque parts of it mm-hmm. but i think that you know i i i'm as a former New Yorker uh, or just native born New Yorker, I just sort of believe that gay people are urban pioneers. And if you think about the beautiful community that queer people created when they were given, you know, whatever, to throw the word back in the mix, sovereignty to govern themselves. They created their own, you know, sheriff's department. They created, you know, mm. my friends, the poet laureate of West Hollywood. There are people who have like, they have art, like they have, like I took the WeHo artist boot camp. There's a commitment to arts. Like one of my friends is running for the city council. Like there are actual queer people making decisions, like yeah. going into politics. I think that that's beautiful. It is. You know, and so, I mean, is it imperfect? Yes, because I mean, like, can every queer person and afford to live here no is it getting gentrified by like obnoxious basics coming from like you know like states whose names i forget but i'm just gonna bring back coastal elitism because let's be real the world's on fire they're not doing anything for us now what fly over states i'm kidding (laughs) just being controversial but you know and and it's it's a little bit of column a a little bit of column b i think when you i mean one thing that i'm i'm big about is shadow work yeah. And I think once you've kind of done the shadow work, you kind of just see that energy is energy and it's what you decide to do with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Because yeah. I, I mean, I do that both, like, I think stand-up comedy is shadow work. I think S&M is shadow work. I think that art, like a lot of visual art can be shadow work. Like when I did drag, I was a clown and I was happy and yeah. all of the parts of myself that I didn't feel safe expressing, I was able to express in drag. It's yeah. just nobody got it because I was not channeling an inner femininity and I was yeah. not working with the darker parts of my personality. I rep- My shadows were all golden shadows. Yeah, The parts of yourself that you repress because you don't feel safe. I never felt safe being happy around men because of my, you know, trauma. And, you know, if you want, or do you, if you do, would you indulge me in telling a a joke? Uh, Do it a bit. 
Okay, cool. So like, I have this bit and I feel like it really kind of encompasses my brand and and my vibe. Um, So just, just, I don't get why everybody's like, oh my God, you're gaslighting me. You're gaslighting me. Oh my God. And I'm just like, that's really messed up because some of us have actually been in abusive relationships. Uh, I was in an abusive relationship and I've had a lot of trouble like ever really having a relationship since. All of the telltale signs were there, physical abuse, nagging my self-esteem, cutting me down, gaslighting. But like I got my JLo moment. I, I gathered up my self-esteem and I confidently said, Dad, I think it's time that I see other parents. Uh, my mom's seeing this guy and we're going to make it work. And I think it'd be better if we grew together apart. Now, I wish I was kidding. Um, my, I actually did have to ghost my dad. Um for 15 years just for my you know mental sanity and just the and it and it's sad because like you know you know that movie um inside out where like yeah. there was like the core memories that like yeah. define your personality one of my core memories is my dad beating his girlfriend and yelling at her for making me cry that's nuts like that's not just gaslighting that's like gas like gaslighting to the 10th degree that's like gas lightning go gas lightning i'm ruining your self-esteem it didn't happen you're crazy but you know it, it it's sad i mean i all kidding aside i i've forgiven my father they broke up soon afterwards i feel like that was their kind of come to jesus moment and it, the the sad part is i don't even really get to blame my father because his parents hit them yeah, and yeah. their parents hit them all the way back to colonialism yes which leads back to white people and this is really just a long-winded way of me explaining why i pee on white guys it's the only way i could wash away the toxic masculinity and the racism and the colonialism i'm kind of giving back some might say i'm doing the lord's work some yeah. some might say that <laughs> yes yeah. some so might just, say that indeed but you see how in this moment I go, I go all the way to the darkness. I share my trauma, but then I punch up. Yep. I come at it from a, a place of like, let's attack the systems that aren't working. You know, and I mean like that joke might not be for everyone. And I, I, I hope I didn't trigger anybody in, in the audience out there on the airwaves. But, you know, it's, it's also just, I think the more we all speak our truth, the more we can find empathy because in the uniquely specific is the universal. So you teach all this in your stand-up classes. Yeah, I mean, I, I really help people kind of dive deep and like explore things. And some people will take my class and process their trauma and like yeah. not even do stand-up, but like they, they'll they go on to do bigger things. Cause it's just sort of like, what is blocking you? Yes. Yeah. And how can we play with it? You know, a lot of shadow work is literally, and for those of you in the audience who don't know what shadows are, it's just sort of like the parts of ourselves that we judge, the parts of us that that we're ashamed of, the parts of us that society forces us to put away. You know, the way I describe it is, it's like somebody's like, oh, hey, can you do me, you know, be really great is if I could just put like this veil over your light. I think it would make some ambiance. It'd be really cool. And then people start piling things on and piling things on and piling things on. And then it's dark and then everything looks like a monster. Yeah. And shadow work is really just going into the darkness, dealing with the fear, dealing with all the emotions and disconnecting it. Your childhood trauma should not be making friends with your biggest fears, making friends with your anxieties, making friends with all of the reasons that you hate Joe Beth at work, you know? <laughs> but when we don't do the shadow work, that's what happens. Yeah, and it, then it, it can kill you. I mean, it, it becomes toxic yeah. and cancerous. 
literally, literally. I learned that when studying Reiki, that like things start on the spiritual level into the mental, into the emotional and into the physical. So when you don't process these things, they do. Yeah. Can you give us a rundown on Reiki? Um, yeah, so Reiki is, I'm not a huge practitioner. I mean, like I, I got a level two, um, I'm a level two Reiki practitioner. Um, but Reiki is basically, it's kind of like the best way to describe it using like, um, scientific terms is just sort of subtle, like energy. It's like just sort of a healing energy that you call upon to offer people healing in moments. And so it comes from, uh, Japan and there are, and you know, it's also important to make sure that you're studying under ethical Reiki teachers and practitioners. So it's not like super culturally appropriative. That's why I'm not like going out right. there trying to make money. I'm more just like every once in a while, I need a healing, you know what I mean? Right, right, and, right. or, you know, like I can offer some healing energy to friends. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of like you call upon energy and it just sort of flows. I mean, I think there's a lot of different forms of energy healing as well. Yes. And because that, that leads to this, how I'm going to phrase this question, because you said something interesting that I've never thought about, uh, about how if you were like really into practicing Reiki, it could be misconstrued as appropriation of culture. And I just, I, I wonder, is that because you have such respect for Eastern culture uh, ownership over that? I mean, I think it's more just, I think you should learn Reiki from, you know, people who like walk the walk and talk the talk. I mean, I think sure. anybody can get like a level three, like, and then be, be attuned. But I mean, I don't know. I think that that's sort of, I mean, you're opening up a, a bit of a, a philosophical Pandora's box because I think that there is that's something to be said for being, <laughs> hey now, what? Um, <laughs> save it for Sunday. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think there's something to be said for being a little bit too precious. I think that, you know, again, going back to globalization and assimilation, I think is like, as long as it serves everyone, but I do think that you should have reverence because Reiki was passed down. It's a tradition. And I think that there was like, I, I'm horribly misquoting this. this is why I don't lead with like, I'm a Reiki practitioner. It's more just like something that I do. But like the, there were some people who were um, ostracized for it because again, there was like a religious um, movement in Asia at the time that was kind of snuffing it out. So it's still surviving has its roots in like the masters who were practicing it and teaching it. How interesting, because it, it sounds like, you know, in Christian tradition, you, uh, there's the idea of spiritual gifts that uh, each believer would have, whether it's discernment or uh, prophecy or, um, you know, pastoring that it, it may be more what? evangelical. And this is fascinating. I never heard that before. Oh, Sorry. yeah. Well, your grandmother would know because she is uh, she she's Pentecostal, charismatic. So Pentecostal churches heavily rely on on really knowing your spiritual gifts and knowing what piece of the puzzle you provide to the, the to the larger picture of the church um, in terms of ministry and evangelizing. So the spiritual gifts, I mean, there's there's a list of them in the Bible, um, in the New Testament um, that, that basically just go over. And, and, and But I find it interesting because I think it's applicable to other uh, practices of faith. So like w what we call Reiki, I just wonder if an original disciple in the Middle East, which is not too far removed from Eastern, you know, belief practices, um, I just wonder if, if what, what what was called Reiki would have been construed as as discerning or or um, or another spiritual gift because I, that, I, mm -hmm. in my attempt to validate my upbringing in Christianity because um, I do recognize its importance and place in the in the world and in history 
I look at how it's equated in other belief systems and how other belief systems, practices, and traditions are equated in Christian tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I just am curious. I was curious about how you described it as as almost appropriating culture, because um, I just wonder: do the Christians did did early Christian teachers? Or Pentecostal people today, do they feel like there's a version of Reiki that that is their own? Does well, I sense? mean, it's it's kind of like prayer and energy healing. That's right. the best way to kind of describe Reiki. It's like you kind of like pray over someone and you kind of call in healing energy for them. Yeah. I wish I had led with that. Because <laughs> do you know what the laying on of the hands is? I'm vaguely familiar with it because like i learned i was roman catholic and my grandmother was latino pentecostal so it was really more just like singing and having get-togethers and somebody yelling at them about what jesus would say um prophetizing a little bit less like my grandmother didn't really talk about like things with the same um language as you did i mean at least you guys were doing a deep dive into the bible i'm here for that but yeah Uh, well for better for worse right but um yeah, the laying on of the hands is basically just where, it, you know, if it could be a missionary, it could be someone who just lost a, a parent or a child or a divorce or, you know, just their kid came out as gay. And so the church, specifically like the elders, the, the late, you know, the elders or the preachers would literally lay hands on this one person would gather at the pulpit and people would just start laying hands on this individual. Um, and it's, but it's, while they may not know where it stems from, it is a place of, of energetic healing, I think, mm-hmm. at least in their faith system or their version. Um, well, even in of- just, but like you just, even just in like human science, like there's the bioenergetic field that yeah. surrounds us. Like when COVID happened, I was like, oh, I think it's very funny that we should all be six feet away from each other because we should not be blending energies. I saw it as a divine message. Stay the fuck home. Mm-hmm. Look in on yourself check in and be like let's fix the planet and then everybody was like no i want money there were people who somehow managed to make money off of the deaths of people and yet there's still an office and nobody has a problem with that Call did, you from- <laughs> <laughs> did you ever watch that show designated survivor was that the one where like Kiefer Sutherland's all- like the huds hud secretary that- and he gets sequestered during the state of the union address and then there's a terrorist attack and kills every living member of government except and then him. he becomes the president yeah sometimes <laughs> you know? i'm like should we manifest that <laughs> like just start over i mean honestly i won't I lie no christian there is a part of me that like questions what's next that's why i'm just sort of trying to live by like do right and 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 i mean let's be real i'm a survivor but like Beyonce Survivor or Reba McIntyre Survivor? Probably Beyonce. You know what's so funny is I saw this on TikTok's conspiracy theories. And I and this is I went to mention this earlier. So it's funny that you brought this up in an almost lunar communication style. Like, and this is just something that I wanted to to wow. Now I'm like I started too many, too many multiverses. Let's let's circle back. So I'm on TikTok conspiracy theory, and somebody said that Beyonce took photos with four different colored horses in the same way that was described as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Ooh, and they're I like, hope it's true. Be- I hope it's Beyonce. true. And you know what's interesting is, apropos of everything that happens, one of the belief systems that I believe is in the hermetic principles. And so one of them is the law of polarity. And essentially, they're kind of like just sort of like energetic, like the laws of balance or whatever. If you think about what was done to the Black community and how many Black people have died both during COVID and during police brutality, during the civil rights era, during slavery, there's just more people on the other side. Mm. 
And so I can't help but wonder if at the on the other side of this apocalypse is a different world. Just where it's like, we're just not going to venerate basic bitch white people. Because I mean, let's be real. I want to I want this on the record. America was founded by Puritans who were too much for England. They're like, y'all are nuts. You need to go. It was literally like if QAnon formed a country. Thank you. And the fact that we've allowed their trauma to dictate our religious experience, like it lives in the behaviors of people. And that's what bothers me about Christianity being used by people of color because the trauma of the colonization lives in their diehard holding on to the belief. It's so prescriptive because it's a tool of control. Meanwhile, half of those people are breaking commandments left and right. I think that if you just live by your own code of honor, and I mean, I I really hope that we reach a place where we are more integrated in our belief system, in our medicine, like the difference between Eastern and Western medicine is fascinating. And I've subscribed more to an Eastern idea. I went from being a hypochondriac to somebody who never gets sick. Yeah. You know, but it was because I started listening to my body. I started watching what I was giving energy to. Well, it's like, I think that's also the the cure for the binary, you know, because my mm-hmm. parts of my obsession with doing the show is, is, is preaching about how we are addicted to binary because it's a safe space to be over there or over here, whether it's them or they or black or white, you know, uh, Christian, non-Christian, Republican, Democrat. But when the two come together, there's a beautiful gray space that's created, but we ignore Mm -hmm. it. We're not allowed to to be there or to worship there. And I think that 99% of us really find comfort in the gray, even if we don't know it. So I love that you talk about that, like the, you know, the Eastern and the Western medication, like the marriage there that could provide the ultimate of healing. Like, what if we employ both? Can I piggyback on that? You can piggyback on whatever you want to. Ooh, hey now. <laughs> it's the back of the different podcast. Direction. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to go a whole different direction. I'm kidding. Um, but it, it's sort of interesting because if you think about like, there's black and white and then there's gray. What about when you get to the level where you fully have integrated the gray and then you decide to just create color? Mm. You know what I mean? There's first, there's like one idea, then there's two ideas, then there's those ideas in opposition, then there's those ideas in opposition and in union. But then what about like what you create from that understanding? That's what I'm excited about. And I feel like that's probably going to come on the other side of whatever's I agree. huge it's, event is going to happen. That's why I'm just keeping it cute. I'm like, cool. It's not for, it's not for this life. You think? It's for, it's, I think it's for the next on the other side. I don't. Th- I don't think like Adele. Be- like break on through the other. <laughs> Hello from the other side. But but for real, what if she's already there and she's just like personified? Here? Girl, she is. Adele is living her best life. There are some people who, I and this is something that I also think is interesting. I wonder if some people ascend, you know, become stars, understand something because of what they know. I mean, like what, like Sandra Olivia, Bullock, like Olivia Newton-John. Case in point. You know, she, she was, was in Xanadu. Uh, thank you. She All saw, the time. She Sorry. saw. No, but I do, th- you know, I think she was one of those, I, I hate to say the word stars, but she knew her burden. She knew her plot in this life. And it was a- in service to other people who couldn't articulate what she had figured out. Mm-hmm. And I think Dolly's an example. You know, I think mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's so many examples of still living, thank God. Um, I mean, Christ was an example, if, if yeah. we're going to go. I mean, uh, the Buddha, um, um, Abraham. I mean, it, there's so many examples in history of people that 
that we're vessels for everyone else. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you and I are like, I mean, even on a micro scale, like the people that are speaking up, I mean, even if we don't know what we're saying, like you said earlier, if one, if one person in that bar was able to go and act differently, your purpose was served. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that, I mean, that's sort of the, the, the goal of ascension is just sort of like, how can you ascend to a higher level of consciousness, understanding and keep growing? You know, it's yeah, like, it's yeah. like a lotus. Because I mean, one thing that I think is interesting to just sort of relate spirituality to Christianity is the idea of, are you familiar with 5D consciousness? Uh, I only am because of something you posted about that man jumping <laughs> on that slide and flying into the air into the water. <laughs> okay, so the idea of 3D, 4D, and 5D consciousness is essentially like heaven, hell, and purgatory. Okay. So it's just sort of interesting when you just sort of think about these concepts. So like the idea of the 3D is that we are in suffering from disconnection from God or from ourselves or whatever, and that's where suffering exists. 4D is where we burn through our karma and work and learn and do the deep soul work. And then 5D is where you reach a state of just love love divine love like unconditional love and and happiness and joy and health and you know so there's something to be said for if we were looking at these things less in a oh i'm gonna fucking do whatever i want on this planet and then i'm gonna go to heaven and instead of it's like no heaven is here as mm. i mentioned with the with the celestine prophecy that's what it talks about it will be we will manifest heaven on earth because we're all focused on inspiration and following where energy is sending us and creating more energy and beauty in the world, honoring nature, taking care of plants, like creating more self-actualized children instead of trying to rob people of their energy. I mean, the fact that we live in a country where we are numbers, where people are just meant to work for a wage that is not livable. And that's another thing, thanks to TikTok. There's this woman on TikTok who just posts about how much better her life is in Seoul, Korea, because the government pays half of her medical expenses. They pay for her childcare. They take care of her kids because they care about human beings. So it just, I want to just hop on a soapbox for a a second. It disgusts me how many people are fucking living in a faithless world because they're triggered by religious trauma while we live in a country that subscribes itself to believe in Jesus, but ignores the things he fucking taught. What the fuck? (sighs) (laughs) Sorry, I went on a rant for a second. Giving you levels. No, that's, that's it. That's the question. Yeah. If the divine were standing before you today, what would you say to them? Oh, this is like my James Lipton moment. Um, if the divine were standing in front of me, I mean, I guess that's the, the strange thing. There, there's two ways to approach this question. And this is a moment where like half of me is like, well, I would, I, I'm, how am I not? I mean, we are at all times, in all ways, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, there's a part of me, the good little Christian Catholic school boy that would say thank you. Um, and then there's the the devious, chaotic part of me that would ask, you know, hey, Channing Tatum, do we have a shot? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, we all have a price tag. Everything's for sale. 
I just oh saw that, that episode of Uncoupled last night where um, Marsha Gay Harden. Thank you. Oh, I love like, her. I know, I know. And they were like, "It's the condo's not for sale." She goes, "Oh, honey, everything is for sale." Mm. And I thought she's so right. I mean, for somebody who doesn't live in West Hollywood, you have a very open idea of <laughs> very West Hollywood approach to uh, look, sexual I, capitalism. Look, I have not gotten this far in life without knowing how to stay afloat. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. <laughs> no judgments. It's the oldest profession. Honey. Ugh. <laughs> that's just oh that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna go over well um anyway uh i'm so glad we got to chat today i'm so thankful that uh the divine uh provision of allowing us to meet occurring on the streets of west hollywood the gayest mm-hmm. city in the world um i'm thankful that that bobby dated david and now you were with david and i ran into david ergo i ran into you mm-hmm. um just divinity everywhere i love that yeah everybody gets divinity you get divinity you get divinity you get divinity i could have done that in an oprah voice but i did not that would have been an appropriation of culture Should I-, <laughs> I mean i would i would argue that that would be an appreciation I oh mean, okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 if i if i went and did the exact same thing that oprah did speaking of spiritual gifts Apropos of nothing, I wonder if Oprah's spiritual gift was just to be able to mentally control white women. That was yes. her superpower. She was like, buy this. Yes. Enjoy this. Come to my show. Let's let's question question your trauma, sweetheart. Yes. I think that uh she would be afraid to agree with that because it would be giving away the secret. Mm-hmm. Which is a book that we all have because I, that Oprah. Was, that, that, that was the callback. Yes, that was look See? at me. And I, I yes ended you and I made it <laughs> Y'all have just spent an hour learning um, how to do stand up. Thank you, Christian. <laughs> um, this has been great. I really appreciate you. I cannot wait to run to you again on the streets yes. of West Hollywood. Um, Unless you ever go to the Hollywood Bowl, in which case I could run into you there as well, because I frequent there. Um, But again, I really appreciate you being here. It's been a blast. You're hilarious. You are so intuitive and 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 yet still so approachable in terms of like your the things that you talk about feeling and experiencing are not out of touch to other people who may not be as evolved and deep as you. Um, So I appreciate that about you because I think what you are living is attainable for everyone. I mean, I did take a vow of poverty. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I think, I mean, in, in all seriousness, I, I really appreciate your comment. I, I think there's just something to be said for um, just making space. You know, I think that it, like just opening up your heart and really connecting to what you believe and just sort of believing in the things that make you a better person. That's kind of all I try to do. I love that. And we're going to end it there. I'll see you next time. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And all the people say, game in. Thank y'all for listening to another episode of the Fagnostic Podcast, hosted by me, Matt Hayes. You can find me at matthayes.com, that's M-A-T-H-A-Y-E-S.com, or on just the millennial socials at Hayes on it. H-A-Y-E-S on it. Please go subscribe, review, and share this podcast. And in the meantime, have a blessed day and peace be with all y'all. Hi, Michael Spicer here. Matt Hayes forgot to put my name in the credits of his podcast as the composer, but I'm here to tell you that I wrote the music 
for his podcast. Whatever the f- it's called, I don't know. 